Hello, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Walk and Talk. This episode, we will focus on Black joy in honor of Black History Month. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm Aaliyah. My pronouns are she, they, and I graduated from Cal Poly with a uh, master's. I did not get a master's yet. <laughs> um, with a BA in English uh, last spring, spring of 2020. Ooh, they educated out here. Um, <laughs> my name is Linda Moore. I use she, they pronouns. How are you doing? I am a four-year environmental management and protection major with minors in ethnic studies, indigenous studies, and there used to be a soil science minor, but we don't have to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> but yes, glad to be here. Nice. Thank you for joining us. Um, We'll do an introduction question kind of to break the ice and make it easier to talk. So our introduction question is... Oh, <laughs> sorry, Bella. It's okay. <laughs> we're we're two in sync. It's fine. Um, okay. What is one piece of entertainment that you have watched slash listened slash participated in that you would recommend and one you wouldn't recommend? And one piece of, the one piece of entertainment has to be recently. Like something you watch or... Like, if you played video games or if you listen to podcasts, something you did recently that you would recommend and one you wouldn't recommend. <laughs> the fact that my answers came to my head immediately, but I can't give my real answers because I don't want to bash another indie author. <laughs> so I'm going to keep <laughs> my first thought to myself. Um, I would say something that I have watched or participated in, or not watched, I read it that I really enjoyed was um, it's a trilogy, The Fate of Stars by S.D. Simper. It's like a dark lesbian romance. Um, and it's a spicy book. So be aware. You don't want spice. There's spice in there. Um, but I really enjoyed that. If if we were mutuals on TikTok, you could see that I did a post of me with my makeup like down my face. Like, why did I choose to like read this now I'm gonna enter a depressive episode <laughs> um but it has a happy ending and it was really good but it did break me in like many ways um something that I wouldn't recommend oh I'm just gonna say it um is a different book it's called A Touch of Darkness and it's uh <laughs> and it's um like a Hades Persephone retelling and it was just like all the all the toxic head tropes were there. I mean, it tried, I think, to subvert some of them, but it just like wasn't good. And then like my English major mind was like, aren't all the gods related? And then I re like realized, oh, Hades is Persephone's uncle, technically. And I was like, I feel unwell. So I would not recommend that. Um, definitely seek seek content elsewhere. <laughs> um. I guess I'll go next. I recently finished Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which is the newest Assassin's Creed. And I'm, like, really obsessed. I thought it was amazing. It was so good. The main romance was a lesbian romance. And I was, like, dying. Yes. And I just thought they were so cute. And I thought the storyline was fun and the game was fun. But the main character... Every time she finishes a quest, she's like, oh, the winds call me back back to Ron V. And that's, like, her girlfriend. And I'm like, that's so cute. Anyways, I, I really loved it. I, like, screen recorded on the game the cutscenes of them. And I just watched <laughs> them for fun nightly. But, yeah. I love that. Um, something I wouldn't recommend... This is so hard because I try not to think about things I wouldn't recommend, you know? Right. Or, like, I try, like, I never finish things I don't recommend. So, like, you know what? Come back to me. For, I, <laughs> I joined this conversation a little preemptively. So, come back to me on the, <laughs> the one I don't recommend. Okay. <laughs> I have ideas and recommendations, but I don't want to go too deep into them, especially the ones I don't recommend, where I'm just like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it turns into a TED talk real fast. Um, but okay, one piece of entertainment that I would recommend, 
so if you just want pure joy and you want to forget about the world, my I I love anime. Um, especially yes, 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 especially you know lesbian anime. It it's it's great. Uh, a show I recommend is Takume in Mikochi. Um, it is basically about these. Uh, so canonically, they're not okay. Canonically, they're roommates, but <laughs> oh my god, they were roommates. <laughs> they were roommates. It's about that. It's about um, cottage core tiny lesbians. They're <laughs> the size of like a thimble. And they walk around the earth, you know, doing like small little things like making meals, singing, and they all live in like a uh, pre, hmm, hmm. I don't know too much about Japanese history, so I won't know, I won't say that. But it was like before capitalism got too bad, where everyone kind of has like their own little, yeah, basically little artesian um, sort of. Uh, tiny little lesbians and there's some room and space to do head cannons for polyamorous relationships um uh, uh definitely you can read some people as non-binary it's just a good time um very queer um women loving women anime um yes so yeah. okay oh i didn't take no yes i will drop it in oh no Okay, anyway, something I do not recommend. Okay. I also like watching video games. I don't play because I don't, I can't afford a console. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to, ooh, ooh. The Last of Us, specifically The Last of Us DLC. <laughs> and I have beef with um, The Last of Us, mainly because The Last of Us 2 was being paraded a lot as a kind of like, oh, you know, women loving women, lesbian-esque theme, and it has so many problems within the video games. But people were pinpointing the problem into The Last of Us 2, but it really started with um, The Last of Us DLC um, because they killed the only Black queer femme character in like video game history off screen in a DLC. And her right. full, yes, Riley Abel um, is the character's name. And her whole existence was pretty much just to establish that, you know, Ellie is a, a, a white lesbian. And they immediately killed her after. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't recommend. I'm still better. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Is that is that the game with, like, the, the like, eight-foot-tall vampire woman people keep talking about no that's resident evil but i really want to play that because her boobies are massive (laughs) yeah i've been looking i've been looking i've been looking (laughs) (laughs) she is so sexy like i would play i hate like games where i can't see the character like i am like it's my vision and like i that game looks so scary, but I would play it for the big titty vampire goth world. You know? That's so valid of you. <laughs> Girls like big so titties too. Like, valid. you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay, something I wouldn't recommend is that stupid chess show. Chess oh, show? Queen Gambit? Yeah. I look at that and I'm like, next. <laughs> yeah, I started it and I'm like, Chess is not like why do I say this was so exciting? This is boring as truth. Yeah, and like like I was like there's like no POCs. Like the one black woman character like is used as like character development for that for a white girl. And I'm like this is oh, you white people that are obsessed with Queen's Gambit. I'm like, why? <laughs> yeah. Because it's always always white people. <laughs> They're the only ones I've heard talking about that show. Um, no one ever and- likes chess. For real. <laughs> like, in real life. <laughs> I... All I... So, I don't... I haven't watched the show, but I, I did see Cocoa Butter or, or Netflix did, like, a thing where it's just like, oh, you know, 
um, the person, uh, a black, uh, a black femme individual who's really good at chess, I think, actually exists. And I don't know if she's based off of her, but apparently there's someone who's re- at that level of chess lane play, playing that actually exists in their black fans. So that's a thing. I, I, I didn't watch that video either, so I could be wrong. <laughs> I went to said at the end of the day, black people play chess. <laughs> That's and all I got. <laughs> okay, also, this is going to be a controversial opinion, and I might cut this out because I don't want to get shit for him. But, like, euphoria? No. Mm-mm. I can't do it. I don't, I'm not interested in watching high schoolers have sex. Right? Yeah. Okay, I watched so many YouTube videos. It's, like, so, like, it's like child pornography like it's it's made by a 30 year old white man who said like rue is my characterization and how how is this queer black high schooler <laughs> you're, you're <laughs> dude. anyways it's really creepy and like it's so triggering for so many people like Anyways, it's a lot of trauma porn, and I'm not for it. Oh my gosh, I'm just processing this right now, because I'm one of those people that watched you for it, and was like, wow. But now now that you're saying this, I'm, like, enlightened a little bit. Like, what? (laughs) HBO (laughs) is not the right place to make a high school show. And it's supposed to be for high schoolers? It's like it's all stuff that it's like this is more realistic for college. Yeah. That's why I don't get it. It's like why can't we start doing college settings? Yeah, like, oh my god, grown people struggle too. And <laughs> like, you're like, like, come on, at eighteen. Why can't we do romance weird. stuff in college? Like everything makes so much more sense in the context of college. Like, I. I feel like, and I have not seen Euphoria just because I saw like the intense and I was like, I don't need to be reminded of things that have happened in my past. I don't need that. But I also, based on what I've heard and from other people's comments, so take this with all the grains of salt, is that like, I feel like there's so much trauma for one lifetime in such little years. Um, And that's not to say that, you know, traumatic things don't happen. But I feel like it's definitely the, you know, Hollywood-esque sort of, like, I had this, this, and this, and this happened to me. All yeah, within a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people say it's, like, it's very realistic for my experience. But it's, like, that show is not for, like, reality. It's It's Hollywood produced and everything was, like, curated and everything was decided. Like, all that trauma is not real. Like, it's it's dramatized, so I don't understand why it's worth it, you know? Yeah. Like, HBO has some great shows, but that's not one of them, you know? That's no. true, yeah. Oh my god. Gentleman Jack. I love Gentleman Jack. I don't think I've watched that one. It's a lesbian period one. Oh, oh. period piece? Um, all four period pieces. <laughs> that's all we get. Really? <laughs> This is going to be a little, I don't know if y'all have heard of this one, but it's also kind of, I don't know, it's kind of, it's very, like, not, I'm going to say not safe for work, but very, like, oh, crap. I'm trying to think of, like, it has a lot of content in it that is not suitable for all viewing audiences, but (laughs) it's called Banana Fish, and it's an anime that I'm obsessed with, and it's, like, they marketed it as, like, a BL, which is, like, strange because it's not really that it's more of like how the two characters grow together but then also there's a lot of sexual tension in between it's kind of wild not gonna lie there's just there's there's like so much angst and sexual tension and you're like sitting there you're on the edge of your seat it's like okay so what's gonna happen it's not like you're expecting anything because there's so much like violence in it but then you're just sitting there and say okay in midst of the violence is something gonna happen and it's just you just watch the two characters grow and you know love each other but it's not like specified love it's just like a love that's just like I don't know it's hard to explain it's like a love that's beyond beyond relationship I don't know how to explain it but it's when you when you see them interact it's like so beautiful and then when you learn about all the characters backstories 
Uh, it's pretty wild though, and also there's a like, big content warning. There's a lot of content in it, so <laughs> it's just it's wild. Though. There's it's, there's a lot, um, but we wanted to go in with the first question being, what are a few things you do that bring you joy and bring joy to your identity? Okay, so when I was thinking about this, I was just like, oh, joy, um, and then joy to my identity because like they're not always the same. Joy to you and brings joy to your identity. Um, I guess what brings me just joy overall in our cooking and hair care. Um, and I say these things because, you know, in life we're super busy, we're running around and we're, I feel like we're always due to like capitalism and all the other things that we're always um, expected to be more productive and to figure out a way to make things shorter and, you know, just uh, make it quicker and faster. Um, and so with cooking and hair care, it's very much the opposite. Like I, um, cooking takes, takes you know, a, a set amount of time where I don't usually like to even meal plan. I like to just be able to go into the kitchen and say like, I have this hour blocked out and I'm going to make whatever I make within this hour. And that's just, that's just going to be for me. Um, cooking related to my identity, uh, uh, I've been... Um, cooking a lot of um, family meals. Um, my, I grew up with my Nana, who's from like uh, rural Mississippi slaughter specifically. Um, you know, uh, she grew up, you know, uh, picking cotton on like her on um, and everything. And so she, a lot of her things were like, you know, fresh, handmade, um, completely herself. And so I grew up in that household. And, you know, I still have memories of like, um, fried fish and spaghetti. That's something that I grew up eating during the winter. It sounds, I feel like it sounds a little strange, but it is definitely one of those things where you eat fried fish and spaghetti and it's just like a cozy little warm hug. Um, and so I've been learning that sweet potato pies, a lot of like Southern dishes. Um, I've been trying to like cultivate um, in my kitchen and that's been good. And then I guess I'll end it with hair care. Hair care is super connected to my identity. My hair makes me feel black as fuck. Like that's just where I go in. I literally, it's the opposite. We're cooking where I'm just like, I'll just go in and do anything. Hair care is just like, no, we have a routine. We have a wash day. We have a, a schedule for when we condition and leave in condition. We we do the research on the products and I love it. Um, and I really love just learning about my hair and keeping track of it. And, and again, it is one of those things where it's going to take me a while to do um, to get these inches. Or, and also, you don't have to have inches to still be great and still be beautiful. I just want to <laughs> sprinkle that in. Black girls with bald head, we love you. Hit me up, Tinder. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it, yeah, I love, you know, doing my hair. So yeah. And, I'll stop talking now. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. I miss when cooking brought me joy. <laughs> I need to get back into that. Right now it's like, hopefully I'll cook a meal. Um, I would have to say something that's bringing me joy just in general and to my identity has been reading and writing. Reading does less for like my Black identity because it's been hard to find new adult like fantasy romance black fiction um there's a lot of like ya a lot of ya black fiction out right now but i am not 16 or 17 and i just don't find the joy in reading that anymore but props to those who do but writing has brought me a lot of joy because i get to like center myself and my experiences and like all the pieces of my identity that i don't get to explore as often especially as like a queer black woman being in like a relationship with a man i mean i'm not not with a woman right now. <laughs> living through that through my book. <laughs> no inspiration. Um, yeah. And so that's brought me a lot of joy. Um, and then just being able to like put that into the world and like write a book of something that I wish I could read. And then that's made me want to write more books. And so I'm procrastinating on my other book by writing another one that's like a fantasy pirate, black sapphic enemies to lovers extravaganza. And so that's just super fun to just be able to like write something that like gets to be a little tropey because we don't have any books that are tropey. So I'll like 
oh, this is like a really important part of the Black canon. And it's like, yes, I love reading Toni Morrison. And I love reading Maya Angelou. <laughs> I would like a spicy fantasy <laughs> romance, please. I'm every now and again, let me have oh, I was just gonna say, every now and again, you just want that raunchy pirate black guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, can I just get a little bit? And so that's something that's been bringing me a lot of black joy. Just writing my like black characters. I joke about like the book that I'm writing now. I'm like, if you think a character is white, they're not. <laughs> like every every character in that book, and it's said in Oregon too. I'm like, every character in that book is black or a person of color like except for like one evil character you have to drop your pre-order book link say less i'm I ready <laughs> i just like i see it i like see you posting your tiktoks i'm not on tiktok so i see you posting now on instagram and then i'm like send me the link i will i will send the link it's um and I'll just drop it on this podcast real quick um, <laughs> it's uh fate blood unbroken and it's up for pre-order on amazon i know it's like fuck amazon but that's like all i got no makeup on right now so we're working with what we have but it's called fate blood unbroken and it's a like vampire fae black sapphic fiction romance is the plot it's a bit of a slow burn um, apologies in advance. <laughs> I was I'm so like, excited. You have no idea. I'm super excited. I'm excited. I don't know if y'all know Eddie, That's but Eddie's my, uh, my editor. And she has she she likes it. So <laughs> Eddie, I love Eddie. Me too. She <laughs> is a great editor. I did you know, sprinkle with yeah. her and she's amazing. She's phenomenal. <laughs> phenomenal. So Eddie's I'm... the editing plug. I'm so excited for your book. Like, that's literally what inspired me to write this. I was like, all of the like good new adult like fantasy romance that's enemies to lovers is all like, like white on white crime. These aren't enemies. These are war criminals. Really, <laughs> actually. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it's something better. There's like so many young adult books right now that do have like queer trope like tropes and then they're like queer romances but like when you're like in college it's hard to relate to young adults because you're like those are babies those are they're in high school that's and they're making like for me personally and they're making decisions that are just like yes when i was 16 but now i'm like in my 20s i can't i I feel too much like an adult and a parent just being like yeah like it's supposed to be like a cute romantic or sexy scene and I'm like I'm your mother like this is wrong this is wrong (laughs) this is wrong and I'm uncomfortable and there's like a big issue too with like adults our age reading YA and being like I wish there was more spice and it's like bitch they're 16 you should have wish there was more spice spice. like why do you yeah I can't read young adults anymore yeah I can't. As much as I want to, I just can't. Yeah, like, every young adult, it would work perfectly in college. Like, Twilight makes more sense in college. Everything makes more sense in college. I'm just gonna say that. It does. The YA, like, genre has such a grip on, like, the industry and writers, and that's why a lot of, like, new adult is self-published, because, like, no, like, traditional, traditional publishing houses don't even, like, recognize it. They're like, no, make the character 16, 17, make it a YA. And it's like, no, there's a lot of themes in here that these characters should be like at least 24. Make them white and brunette. With a little oh. a little bit of redhead, but that one dies. Diversity and inclusion. Diversity and inclusion. Token redhead. Um. Have you seen that meme that it's like when you like YA books are like I can't choose between two guys and they look exactly the same but one has brown hair and one has blonde hair no quite yes <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah um, it undoes me and that of course it just ain't it. I, I just want to ha- add like jump in on the final thought because I just feel like ah, asterisk um and of course this is not to say that you know young high school children aren't you know I even feel weird don't have sexual interests or urges, even though it's not required of you. Um, it, it, that exists, but we don't, you know, have to be like, let's put a microscope to it all the time. 
especially when it's an adult writing mm-hmm. a story like I don't want to read an adult writing a sex scene between two teenagers it's really it's creepy awful. it's really weird it's wrong I'm gonna say it. it's wrong like it's different when it's like okay the person writing the book is 17 I'm like okay yeah this is literally your experience go off young legend yeah it's so <laughs> like <laughs> yeah I feel like it's like exploiting like these kids and like also, like, it gives different, like, expectations for a lot of, like, kids that are reading it. And, yeah. Like, it's, like, the same thing Euphoria is doing, just on a page. Yeah. Oh, pretty much. Most, <laughs> most kid shows. Mm, uh, I will. You know how that thing with the cast people who are, like, 20s, 30s, and this would be 17, yep. 16, and I'm just, like, you don't look like that victorious i don't think anyone in that everyone was at least 25 and up (laughs) looking full grown yeah like teen wolf or like vampire diaries they all had to have older cast so then they could like sexually exploit like the characters and i'm just like why why this weird you could have the same storyline Anyway, anyway, anyway. Anti- <laughs> the whole YA genre right now. <laughs> yeah, sorry to the YA readers that are listening. Go right back now. to reading fan fiction, you nerds. <laughs> Me closing now. my ten archive of our own tabs. <laughs> oh my god, archive of our own. I almost forgot about that. Uh, reliving. So our second question, if everyone's ready to move on. Okay. Is have you done anything this past month that has allowed you to reflect on your identity personally? And it doesn't even have to be this month. It could be like, what have you done to reflect on your identity? I would say dyeing my hair helped me like like get more into my gender like my elusive <laughs> gender identity because I went from like pink this this sounds so annoying I went from pink hair to blue hair <laughs> and I didn't go to blue hair because that's the blue color I went because that's um, the, it's like the first color I like fully dyed my hair like way back when and it was the first color that I was like I feel like I look like myself when I look in the mirror and so I went from like a whole week where I'd look in the mirror and be like, I don't know who that person is. And then I dyed my hair and it was like immediately after I was like, there they are. <laughs> Welcome. So I would say literally just dyeing my hair and then like uh, haphazardly cutting my bangs a bit. <laughs> feel more in my body and like whatever that even means. Like I, yeah, hair like it's hard to not identify hair to like your gender expression even though like it shouldn't but like society like I'm like so afraid to cut my hair even though I'm like it doesn't matter just cut it you know yeah for me it's the instant regret like (laughs) I I know I know I I know myself it's a whim. It's probably not something I want. As soon as I'm gonna look at one girl on Instagram and be like, "I can do that. I got this. I, I'm go- my head shape's probably gonna be banging. It's gonna be great." And then I'm gonna take. Uh. <laughs> <It's> scary. <laughs> Ooh, is it is it my turn? Um, yes. <laughs> I just re- are y'all not answering the questions? I just. <laughs> is that how- no, Linda, go that for it. how podcasts work? I've never been on a podcast, so, you know, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> uh, ooh, okay. So I've been um, job hunting. Have you heard of it? Um, and I particularly <laughs> was applying for an advocacy fellow position with the SE Justice Group. Great organization. Um, They're an abolitionist um, um, group centered on the experiences of black, femmes, women, queer and trans folks um, with incarcerated loved ones. Um, And to prepare for the interviews because they want folks with, you know, um, lived experience and things like that. Um, 
and I had to talk to my mom. So background on me, uh, I did have a stepfather who was incarcerated and other individuals in my family who were incarcerated. And um, I had to discuss with my mom about like, because it was happening, um, uh, my stepfather was in my life from 10 to 15. And I had to talk about it with my mom because I don't remember everything. And I was a child. I didn't see everything. I do remember like the major points in my life. Um, but I was able to talk to my mom and she revealed so much more detail that made me see a lot more of the uh, humanity in the, situ in the situation. Um, there was a lot of uh, uh, abuse in the household, per particularly directed at my mom. Um, um, uh, via my stepfather. And I think I held a lot of resentment for that. Um, but I started to learn more and more about it and started to see a lot more of the systemic issues that were really just, uh, I, th that were really just, you know, displaying themselves in full force at the individual family unit. And I think it was it was a great conversation because I think, you know, I'm an adult now and my mom couldn't have certain conversations with me at, you know, 10. Um, but it was it, it made me humanize uh, uh, folks who are, you know, in tough situations. And it also made me realize like how, how just. I feel like that's a, a good transition, I think, into like the next question, talking about the people in your life and like how they serve you and how they impact you and your, I guess, how you live your life and stuff. And I just wanted to follow up with the next question that Bella also put in the chat. Um, is there anyone in your life that exemplifies Black joy or anyone that serves as an inspiration to you? I would say that for me, I was like thinking about this one earlier too. I kind of have two answers. So I'll, first I'll say my grandma is a big uh -huh. like inspiration to me and for Black joy because she like, like we've had like rough ups and downs on that side of my family. It's my dad's side. But I think what's been huge out of it is like, she's so honest about like where she's messed up and like what she's done to do better and about her like mental health and her experiences and everything. And I know that when I go there, like I can be honest and like, I can tell her every like anything and not be judged for it. And like, we can also like go there and like, um, and just like be really honest and have really, great conversations with her and like talk about her past and her experiences um and all of that and then she just is like always about like being honest like in a way that's like does not and I, I keep saying that because that side of my family is not as like super honest about our past experiences like I just reconnected with my cousin to like do yoga with her as she's getting her certification and we started talking about our families back and forth and like because no one talks about anything we didn't realize like oh my god we've had so many similar experiences or like the person I thought was just like this wholesome amazing person has like also done a lot of harm to her and like same for me and it's just like she's been like really amazing to just like watch and talk to because she's really in her like ancestral healing bag right now in terms of like trying to like see what the roots are and like understanding that a lot of the like harm or like shit we have to unpack is less about ourselves and more about just like the shit that's running through our family and so she's been really awesome to talk to and like just like see like multiple times a week now basically to like do yoga which I never did before um and just get really like centered and grounded with her and then also have like really like randomly honest conversations or like unpack trauma together like really randomly but in a way that doesn't feel like oh we're trauma bonding right now it's like no we're like sharing experiences and feeling like we're more in touch with like each other and our family and like also talking about how we heal and like how we move forward and all of that stuff and so that's been really huge and like really helpful too oh, it's so good <laughs> <laughs> we love the heart wars we love the growth and we love the healing uh, uh oh my god so this out of the question y'all sent me this was probably the hardest one i don't know why um i think maybe just with COVID and just the moment that we're in that we don't see a lot of black joy out there. <laughs> just a lot and just a lot, a lot of whew, just trauma and death and all that stuff. But we're, we're, we're bringing this back to joy. I think after a while, I thought of two people. 
And the first one is also like my Nana, my grandma. Um, Mary, shout out to Mary D. Lofton. She's never going to hear this, but you know, shout out anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I like to think of my Nana. She's gone through all the things, grew up in, you know, 1940s rural Mississippi, has seen so much, has experienced so much. Um, and she, I, Yes, is like the OG healer of her family. I come from Black nurses, and she uh, was uh, the first. And uh, she is one of the most content people you will ever see in your life in terms of just satisfaction at, despite all the trials and tribulations, she, you know, um, she ended at the where she wanted to be. Um, and she is satisfied with what she's done and doesn't necessarily reminisce on the mistakes. If, 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 and she barely even calls them that, even though she would clearly say she's not perfect, but she is happy. And that is where I think in my old age, um, where I would like to be at, just a happy individual and in everything. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, the second person had to be my TT. I feel like um, my auntie, Titi Lynette, um, one of the most carefree people I know, like just people who I feel like, so y'all are, you know, well-versed in ethnic studies and systemic issues and everything. And sometimes <laughs> knowing feels like a killjoy sometimes. And I definitely admire folks who are able to see all the chaos in life, able to who are able to understand it and have lived experience with it and real and can say, you know what, this at this specific moment, that's not my problem. And I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to enjoy my presence. And I am not going to try to, you know, the whole, what is it called? Burn the cape um, for black, for black women and fins, the whole burn the cape movement. I think my auntie exemplifies burning the cape and, you know, really just being like, I got me today. And that's all that, and that's all who I'm technically responsible yeah. for. Um, so that's another person who I admire. Oh, I love that. I love the contentness of your grandma, and yes. I love the burn in the cape of your aunt. Yes. <laughs> um, basically, like I said, my nana was a nurse. Um, you know, was in a nurse during the 1940s and 50s and 60s and things at a white hospital. Um, where she was originally a janitor, um, but she worked her way up and, you know, um, became a nurse. And by this time, she already had three kids, like three young kids, all like one, two, and three. My aunts and uncles are only like one year apart. Um, and she always tells me the story of just how like, oh, basically there was this old white guy who really didn't, who I was his nurse and he really did not want me to take care of him because I was black. And... <laughs> She tells me this story about basically like he pretended to fall asleep and to be unconscious. That's how badly he did not want her to like service him. And my Nana goes like, sir, sir, you're awake. I can see you, you are breathing. <laughs> and, and he's like pretending and my Nana's like, you know, touching his toes and everything. Um, and he, and I think she like goes on and says like, yeah, okay, we're about to do the catheter or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I'm a <laughs> um, it doesn't necessarily end on the happiest note because I feel like it's either, I forget whether it was the same patient or just a, another old white man who really was just, who was by this time was actually on his deathbed. And he, my nana was just like, you know, trying to bring him comfort because nurse, healer, that's what we're, they're supposed to do. And she goes on and says, like, he's grabs her hand. He's just like, I'm so sorry. And she's just like, I don't, I don't know you, bro. <laughs> and the old man is just like, I'm, I never did anything to you, but I was a horrible person to your people. And my Nana says, that's fine. I forgive you. Um, yeah. And that's how he died. Wow. So that's like the type of, you know, energy of just like contentness of like going through like shit, like le legit yeah. shit. And then being at the end of life being like, yeah, it was good. I lived good life. 
that's like the energy I'm trying to bring into like <laughs> my life. Okay, so our last topic of discussion, it's not really a question, but is if you have any advice you have on navigating Cal Poly campus climate for incoming black freshmen, like you can, you don't have to focus on the negatives, but if you have any advice, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> like most of our listeners are Cal Poly students, Cal Poly people, so felt like this was a good way to end it. Hopefully we can end on a positive note. <laughs> yeah, I'll try. Let me try and answer this question. I'll answer because my experience, my first year as a freshman, because I came in, um, Linda, did we I came in 2017. Year? I came yes. in 2016. Mm-hmm. Okay, I came in during the election year. And so shit was rough. Like, like, rough. Um... <laughs> So not only was it like, yeah, I'm like one of the few black students on campus, but it's also we're about to like elect in like an explicitly like white fascist like into office. And there was like big Trump supporter presence on campus um, and all of that. And so I like totally closed in on myself as a freshman. And like I went to one BSU meeting, but I like super introverted and have a hard time connecting with people and just like struggled to connect. And so... I would say to freshmen, like, you, especially, like, being, like, one of so few Black students on campus, like, you have to dig deep to come out of your shell and just be willing to put in that work to find community because me waiting meant that I didn't find, like, I didn't find my, like, Black community until my third year, even though I found some community my second year as an RA. And so you, your first year, like you have to get into the clubs, like you, like into BSU or like go to the MCC or go to base or go to something. And just like, even if you're going to go there and like be quiet the first few times, like that's what you have to do. Like just be pre, like be somewhere where you can see other people that look like you, because otherwise you're going to want to stay in your room and, and just look in a mirror I guess because that's like the only thing you're fine because you know you're not gonna have hella black roommates like it's just not not how it's looking like that's just not how it adds up and so I would say just like dig deep it's something I wish I had done I wish I had like shown up more gone out more like to be able to have that community and not feel so alone during my first year because I definitely spent most of it in my room um which is so sad to say like I felt so alone I lived in an apartment with five other people um and one of them was my oh. best friend, but she was not a student, so she was gone. To the time. I know Linda knows what I'm talking about. Um, and like my other roommates, just like were all, I think, I think one of them was Pac, and then everyone else was just like white sorority girls, and so it was just like there was no, there was nothing. I felt very lonely, and so it's like you just have to dig deep. Like I hate to, like I hate that we have to do that, but it's like literally my best advice is just like push yourself in a way you've never pushed yourself before if you're an introvert like just go let the social battery run out you know a little bit take your weekends at home if you have to but just put yourself in spaces where other like black students are where other people that like align with your identities are so you can at least feel a little seen and a little represented and like a little bit like you have a community and eventually you'll be able to branch out and like feel comfortable talking and like all that stuff took me a while but (laughs) Dig, get shovel, get a couple shovels, get a tractor. Ooh, that's so good. That's really good. I gotta follow. Okay, <laughs> so I guess my yes. advice stems from like just a different experience. I definitely was super involved, way too involved in everyone's business. All the clubs. If, if there were black people, I was present. <laughs> I had been in Nesby for like how many years? I am not an engineer. I'm just out here. Um, so I guess my advice is um, a little, not too much of the opposite, but I would say, especially since Black freshmen are coming into a way different time period, like atmosphere than I was, um, 2017, you're going through COVID, you're maybe yeah. not even be on campus um, and everything. So for this, yep. it's two part advice. Um is cherish your cherish your time your energy and your spirit because unfortunately because we come 
Yeah. Um, we this Cal Poly is a predominantly white institution. Um, and who I don't want to get anyone fired. So <laughs> mm, okay. I'm gonna allow the editors <laughs> maybe use their discretion on this one. But I will say on the note of cherishing your time and energy. There are going to be some people who will try to exploit you and exploit your blackness and, it, and um, to be blunt, tokenize yeah. you um, in your experience. And oftentimes, those folks are people in higher positions than you think uh, at Cal Poly. Uh, there are going to be folks who want you to be in every little, you know, advertisement that Cal Poly picture, you know, sort of um um branding sort of thing that they do there are going to be folks who want you to speak at every little event and you can't be everywhere and you can't be the black voice yeah. on on campus mainly because there is no one black voice on campus there's not too many of us but it's not just one of us um <laughs> so <laughs> cherish your time cherish your energy um, really get to uh, know the people who are asking for your experience. Like I, you know, I've seen these folks who I had the lovely opportunity um, to do a podcast with all, all over. And so I know their idea. So um, yeah, cherish your time, your energy, and your spirit. And then the other one would be, since we're talking about Cal Poly and we're being real, Cal Poly has a lot of work to do in terms of anti-racism, diversity, equity, inclusion, social justice, whatever sort of phrasing you want to say. I'm going to say, I'm going to be very honest, the work is going to be very hard and it's going to, if you choose to engage with it, and there's so many different ways to do it, ASI, you know, straight up, you know, more grassroots efforts, SQE, the whole thing, um, it's going to be hard. But I promise you that the, the white supremacy that you experience here will be very similar to the white supremacy that you experience in other places, if that makes sense. That if you can stand yeah. being, you know, uh, being less, making le up a less of a percentage of a campus population, which is resides in San Luis Obispo, which it doesn't have any, barely has any black folks at all. And that, you know, arrest and targets the black folks who, who, um, who are speaking up for their rights and their humanity. Um, if y'all, and if y'all don't know this, y'all really need to do your freshman, do your research on, on San Luis Obispo and DA down and all yeah. those folks before you come here. Cause this is, this is the San Luis Obispo black existence that is happening here. Cause, but I, mm, I digress. <laughs> I tell you that, you know, <laughs> you're going to have experiences that are going to toughen you up and prepare you. And I don't want any black person to feel like that's their obligation to feel like they need to be tough and strong and everything. I will never say that, but I will say if you are going, if you want to be a part of a field where it is predominantly white, um, if, if you want to be a part of a, you know, tackling these more major systemic issues, I feel like Cal Poly prepares you to be a fighter. Um, and that is, a, a skill unfortunately I wish we didn't need to learn it um but yes so yeah go off yes can I build on that real quick Linda <laughs> um this is less for incoming freshmen more for anyone listening who's about to go into grad school or considering grad school but I would say the best the one thing that made me really rethink about Cal Poly not make it less of an awful experience but be like okay well all right it's a lot of what you were saying Linda of like this is a lot more realistic of like what it's going to be when you leave especially like if you want to go to grad school grad school is going to look a lot more like Cal Poly than it's going to look like Santa Cruz UC Santa Cruz or UC San Diego or like any of those places like grad school is going to look really white and grad school is going to make you like feel your imposter syndrome on a whole other level and Cal Poly makes you feel that early on. <laughs> so 
you're like kind of like developing those tools that like Liv said, like, I really wish we didn't have to. I really wish it wasn't a thing. I wish we didn't have to think about this. But like moving into grad school, moving into like, I don't know <laughs> what other people do, corporations or whatever. <laughs> like you're, this is, this is like real, this is like real shit. Like this is real life. It's unfortunate. And it also is a good thing to know. It's like, you don't like this. Like at least you'll know, like maybe I'm going to wait a little bit before I go to grad school or like maybe I'm going to wait a little bit because I don't want to mm-hmm. like jump back into these like, white supremacist shark waters like so quickly i need or, a break i need a year whatever oh like, i was just gonna add on to that like, or you realize that this is not the work environment you want um and which can be extraordinarily helpful yeah um because you pick up on sort of sort of the habits and signs when you're just like where you're just like hmm are, do yeah. they really support black people or are they just you know looking for brownie points you know they posted black where on their instagram like a few months ago sort of yeah you, you'll you'll learn all that yep and you don't even have to pay for it <laughs> i mean to do but not extra <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's all inclusive in that one in that one down payment Woo! of nine thousand dollars. Also, wait, wait. I'm sorry. If you're black and have a disability, I didn't know this. I'm so mad. Go, and if you need help paying for your t- tuition, the Department of Rehabilitation will help pay for your tuition. Yes, California Department of Rehabilitation. If you're black and disabled and you qualify, yes, they do like back payments. You know, exactly. After the fact, I was nobody told I, me that. <laughs> the rage I felt. Disabled as a motherfucker. Exactly. Well, I'm glad someone knows now. <laughs> that's that's, that's good advice. No, that. Yeah, I'm like, why isn't the DR It was an email, like, but apparently, I don't know. Like, I I feel like. I don't know. And it's not just if you're black, but it's if you're, you know, have a dis- I, this is for the black folks with disabilities. And I'm talking about from everything from yeah. um, lack of uh, the hard of hearing to ADHD to uh, if you qualify, y'all go get y'all monies out here. <laughs> oh, that's wild. Wild. Okay. Thank you for joining the podcast and sharing your experiences. It was really exciting and really fun. And I really... Thank you. Well, that's it for today, y'all. Keep an eye out for our next theme, topic, and guest reveal on our respective Instagrams. First, at CalPolyMCC, and then at CPGenderEquity. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, if you can't talk the talk, then you can't walk the walk. See you next time.